HHW presents The Duties by the Legion of Dudes. Live broadcasting from Gettysburg, Kentucky, someplace in Pennsylvania, the Ozarks in Texas, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and where do you live, John? Brooklyn, no, Long Island. <laughs> oh, okay, we'll I was going to say, it's do the it first annual Duty Awards from the Legion of Dudes. He said Duty. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Adam Umack. We are hosting the very first annual Duties for 2008. And as of broadcast right now, we have assembled the most diabolical, energetical, maniacal cast of judges and balloteers this side of the multiverse. Gentlemen of Legion of Dudes, please introduce yourselves. Hello, this is John. This is Adam. This is Jim. This is Ken. This is Russ. Well, folks, uh, thanks for joining us at the Legion of Dudes podcast. Uh, please be sure to check out our website at legionofdudes.com and likewise our sister publication and podcast, Half Hour Wasted. You can check us out on iTunes on the main page, which is awesome, for our Watchmen podcast. And by all means, please send all your comments to comments at legionofdudes.com and check us out on our forum space at thecomicforums.com. Gentlemen, we have quite an evening tonight. It is nice to see you all dressed up. I myself am in my pajamas wrapped in a blanket because it's freezing up here. But we have our first annual duty awards, and this all came about because, well, there's nothing like seeing the losers cry and the winners getting played off stage with cheesy music, of which we have a lot of. So at this point, we're going to hand everything over to John. John's going to go over our first couple categories for 2008, and um, each dude has their own set of categories that we're going to go over. We have first place winners, we have second place winners. And we have a whole bunch of space in between for losers. So, John, go ahead and start us off, brother. All right. So, our first category for the Duty Awards is uh, Best Ongoing Comic. We have an esteemed panel of judges, as you've already been uh, introduced to, and everybody ranked their ongoing series from one through five. And uh, we came up with a winner, and I'm looking at everybody's nominees right now. And one that sticks out is Jim's. Jim, you're number one ongoing comic uh, nominee was Astonishing X-Men. A lot of people haven't liked the way that that's gone since like the first couple of arcs. Tell me what you think about that. I, uh, I love Joss Whedon's writing on X-Men. I think he really gets the characters. I think he's taken a couple of missteps with the plot, but overall it's, it's uh, restored my faith in X-Men comics again. I'm, just, I'm a big Joss Whedon fan anyway because of Buffy and Angel and whatnot. What have the arcs and storylines been about? Well, the uh, Colossus was uh, prophesied to be the destroyer of uh, Break World, an alien world, and uh, basically the, uh, the, the A-list X-Men team were stuck on Break World, trying to stop the Colossus from destroying it, pretty much. But Whedon's put a lot of really great themes in uh, all through his run, the, uh, the whole mutant cure thing, the uh, Lockheed the Dragon as being a covert agent of S.W.O.R.D., which is another good addition to the Marvel Universe that Whedon came up with. And uh, I, just, I really enjoyed the way he writes the characters. You can tell he has a, a real love and real knowledge for the characters. Now, Russ, you being the resident X-Men freak, uh, what do you think of Astonishing? I think if it came out on a more regular basis, I think it would have been a better book. Um, 
<laughs> if, if I think there were only over twelve month time, I think there were only like four books that came out. Overall, I I I, I enjoyed it. I think it lost a little steam in the second arc. Um, the kind of the the tail end of the first twelve or the twelve or so, it, it kind of lost a little steam. Um, but the the breakable stuff was pretty good. I think the the only negative, and I don't think this is. It's not a negative of Whedon or his storytelling because, like Jim said, he's got a really good grasp. His writing style is awesome, um, and, and overall I really enjoyed it. But I think because of the lateness and because of the timing of the events, I think if everybody, especially in the end, felt like it kind of was a bit lost because um, there, nobody really knew when that book was really supposed to take place given the other events that were going on in the X-Universe, especially with you know Messiah Complex and and some of the other stuff that was going on, it was just a little tough to figure out when it was. And the conclusion of that arc um, was kind of a big deal. I won't, I won't spoil it, but it, you know, the timing of that versus the timing of everything else was a little, um, a, a little strange. Um, but overall, very, very good. I, I mean, like I said, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, Jim, are you reading, uh, still reading Astonishing X Men now that Ween's off of it, and they have a new creative team? Not yet. I'm, uh, I, as you guys know, I read trades exclusively, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't gotten the first Ellis trade okay. yet. I just didn't know. If I, you like, were... I like Warren Ellis in general, so I'm kind of looking forward cool. to it. I just didn't know if you continued with it or if your opinion was just with the Whedon works. Okay, so to do some um, some honorable mentions, uh, Green Lantern got a bunch of votes. Daredevil got some votes. Invincible, New Avengers. I guess those are the major point getters. But for a runner-up for the category, we have Walking Dead. By Mr. Kirkman, I'm I'm with that. I I'm definitely I love everything I read in that series. I don't know. Are all you guys reading that? Most of mm-hmm. you, right? Yeah, I'm reading it in trade. I haven't restarted it yet. Absolutely. I'm reading it. In in fairness, too, this is uh, the first more or less advertised uh, storyline that Walking Dead's gone through this year. The whole idea, I guess, concept of no one uh, no one is safe, and once you hit those uh, few issues before uh, issue fifty, uh, that definitely rang true. So I, I think it paid off. I think they certainly delivered on that premise, too. So, the winner... The first duty award ever for best ongoing comic series goes to Captain America, which I am... It was my number one. Uh, No, it wasn't. That's a lie. Thor was. But Captain America (laughs) was on my list. (laughs) And, um, Reed, you're big on the, uh, the Brubaker Captain America, right? Yeah, that was that was my number one. Uh, it's just uh, I've said it time and again on um, past shows. It's just consistently solid writing. Now I have uh, Bucky back or Bucky as Captain America. It's an exciting book, really political and got that espionage angle to it. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was amazing to me how you know the book was awesome with Steve Rogers. Then it was awesome for a year plus without any Captain America. And I was almost expecting a letdown for when Bucky finally got into the groove of it. But it's, it's been flowing beautifully. I mean, it hasn't dropped off at all. And it's managed to stay away from any events. Yes, which seems to be a Brubaker uh, MO. Look at, look at Daredevil. Right, exactly. Same thing. Also, I think that Brubaker's drinking the same Kool-Aid that Christopher Nolan was when he uh, did The Dark Knight as far as um, uh, plausibility. Captain America, the way he writes it, is more of an espionage spy story that just happens to have superheroes in it rather than a big, you know, superheroic uh, adventure. It almost it seems like it could happen, you know? 
Yeah, he made right. uh, Batroc the Leaper plausible. Uh, you, that's why I voted for it. Okay, so best ongoing comic series, Captain America. Fantastic. We'll we'll cut in some uh, applause. Okay, so moving on, we're going to go to best mini series or story arc. Um, again, lots of different nominees. Uh, we have nominees from all over the spectrum in this one. I'm going to go back to Mr. Reed. We're going to force him to talk tonight. New Krypton is on your list. That's the su- the current Superman uh, crossover arc right now. How's that going? Uh, it's I've found it really interesting. I haven't read the latest uh, book, or I think at least the last one. Uh, oh, I read everything sweet. up. I read everything up to that point, and uh, I've always been a huge Superman fan. And this is actually the first uh, floppy that I have bought in over a year. When I uh, started picking up those issues, just I think uh, one day. Um, our email trail went back and forth like crazy about that, and I was like, uh, something must be going on. I have to get in on this, and uh, I have not been let down. And Adam, uh, Mr. Umac, you, you've been real pleased with the new Superman stuff, right? You were saying that you're proud to be a Superman fan again or something along those yeah, lines? I mean, it's, you know, and the, the big thing is, well, what do you do with him? And, you know, you put him in good hands. You know, I definitely think that there's that idea of being the caretaker. And I will say this, I... You know, after going on other sites like CBR and Newsarama, like there is some awful lot of hate out there for Gary Frank's art, especially for his so-called like uh, creepy Superman. I was very, very surprised. Like this was this whole corner of the internet's that I never got uh, to, to to spend time in. But like, I am really. I, I'll even say this: I'm actually moved by Gary Frank's art, especially with the death of Pa Kent and everybody in there. But I did not rank this as best mini or arc yet. I'm. I, I seem to think that um, the arc after New Krypton is going to be the is going to be the the big one two punch when Superman's out of town. Well, it did not win best mini or arc. I'm going to start with our runner up for the category, which was Old Man Logan. Uh, the current Wolverine storyline, which I'm enjoying a great deal. I know we've spoken about it a little bit on past shows, um, and I kind of feel the same way as you guys do with the with the Superman. You know, I'm like proud to be a Wolverine fan again. I mean, he's been in so much and been so watered down um, for a long period of time that I, I really like that storyline. I really like where it's going, or I'm interested to see where it's going. Anyway, um, Rush, you're reading that, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I haven't got the most recent issue, but. Uh... Yeah, I've been reading it as it's coming out, and you know, like, like we said before, Miller just gets Wolverine. I mean, his that whole Enemy of the State, you know, twelve issues was just just phenomenal. Um, and so far, what he's done with Old Man Logan has just been spot on. It's just it's just it's just solid, solid writing. Uh, I also see Ken has uh, Green Lantern Secret Origin as one of his nominees. That's something that I just. Read. I grabbed it at my library, actually, and um, I don't read any Green Lantern, but I always hear good things about it, and I picked that up, and I did, en- I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it was interesting how they went back in this origin and tried to tie in other things that are going on in the Green Lantern universe. Ken, would you say that's accurate? I, I wouldn't, and that's what I really love about the way Jeff Johns uh, does his, his writing or does his, his retcons, for lack of a better word. Well, it, it is a retcon, but he doesn't, he doesn't undo anything in such a way that it never happened. Everything happened. He just takes what's already existed and kind of fills in the blanks, adds a couple details here and there um, to make it a little richer. And, and that's definitely what he did with Secret Origin. I mean, you still have, you know, Avinsor in a ship, which we've all know, like, why Green Lanterns don't use ships. So it you know, explains why he was in a ship. You know, the, the origins of like, Black Hand and um, 
Um, Atrocitus. Thank you. Yes, and uh, that's all leading in to um, to Blackest Night and everything. If you've read Rebirth and the first few arcs of the Green Lantern main series, all the seeds and everything you know about what was coming up with Sinister Core War was there. You're seeing the same thing now with Blackest Night coming up. If you read Secret Invasion or Secret Origin, there there's stuff in there that's going to pay off. You know, in in Blackest Night and trying to find those little nuggets is is the best thing about reading it. Agreed. Okay, so I think we're ready to announce our winner for the best mini or arc. Can we try that drum roll again, please? No. And the winner for best mini or arc series, All-Star Superman. So the, things are good in um, the world of Superman, I would say. I would say. <laughs> I've heard yeah, it said so. that this book is, you know, people like think Superman is too powerful. He's not interesting consistently all-star superman um they say this is how superman should be written and it's it's just something bigger than any of us or bigger than superman himself i i love reading it i've read the first one so far and i'm looking forward to volume two also a great grant morrison book for people who don't like grant morrison because it's, it's a lot different <laughs> than anything else yeah That's yeah you exactly can understand what i was gonna say <laughs> i think the wonder that you expect to see with superman is present in this book that you don't see in many others yeah, I really think the art of Frank quietly goes really well with the the kooky uh, Grant Morrison writing. It kind of gives it its own uh, own reality, you know. Cool. So, Adam, are you upset that Ambush Bug Year One didn't win? No, I just thought that that was a neat departure. I had that as my as, as my last one. Just a neat Keith Keith Giffen experiment, you know. I know. I, just, cool. I wanted to mention it, and we got through the category without mentioning it. So, <laughs> I figured I'd plug it for you. <laughs> Next. Best trade paperback, graphic novel, or collection? Russ, I see the Starman Omnibus on your list, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, and uh, what can you tell us about that? I know it's immensely popular, and I hear CGS talking about it all the time, but I, of course, have never read any Starman. You know, it's one of those things where I never I never thought I'd really have any interest in it. You know, I remember when that series came out right after Zero Hour, and the book came out, and I just kind of took a pass on it, but... I've heard so much good stuff and so much good stuff, so I finally said, okay, um, I'm going to sit down and read it. And um, I was very, very impressed um, overall. I think for once, the I, I think DC's taken a little bit of ribbing on their omnibuses. Um, they put out the, the Death of Superman omnibus and the, the Kirby omnibus, the fourth world stuff, and the, a lot of people griped about the paper quality and it being, you know, on the old newsprint and really kind of chintzy. <clears throat> and so with the, with the Starman Omnibus, that wasn't the case. It was, um, on the glossy stock, um, you know, very, um, very well put together, um, you know, nice cover images and everything. Um, it's a little, I would have liked, I guess, maybe, maybe two or three more issues put in there. Um, but I guess I got to space it out. My only real complaint is that I'm having to wait so long for the next one. Um, I, you know, this one was solicited and shipped several months ago, and I don't, I, I don't know. I think maybe two had just, maybe solicited last month or this month. Um, uh, December, but bud. Yeah, they're they're spacing them out. Um, it's going to ship in a, once. They said uh, once a year. Do you know that? Yeah. Oh, is that is that what it is? Yeah, and there's like yeah. what six of them. <laughs> I think there's five or six, yeah. So that's kind of that's a little um, that's that's maybe the only negative. But yeah, the story's been very very good. It's it's really brought me into really even caring about a character that I could you know I could give two rips about um, a year ago. So I highly recommend it. It's pretty isolated. Um, the characters, you know, at least in this first omnibus, 
he, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about not knowing all this, you know, crazy DC history. Um, it's a pretty isolated book, and there are some nods to to some of the golden, you know, what they consider golden age heroes. The, you know, the original Starman, um, Our Man, um, the Alan Scott Green Lantern. So, um, yeah, high, uh, big big thumbs up in my book. And who do we have for second place? Second place is the Captain America Omnibus, which we just spoke about before when we were doing best uh, ongoing. I have that thing, and that's how I I I took the whole series in with that omnibus, and it's uh, it's awesome. You could kill someone with that book; it's gigantic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Jim, I'm looking at your list, and there are some interesting things that I'd like you to speak on a little bit, if you can, like uh, the goon to start off. Uh, the Goon is by uh, Eric Powell. It's uh, written and drawn by him, Dark Horse Comics. It just got optioned by David Fincher uh, to be a CGI animated feature. Uh, he's the guy who directed Fight Club and uh, Zodiac. It's uh, pretty straightforward. It's, it's a really big guy who collects protection money and his homicidal uh, buddy, Frankie, uh, in this strange cartoonish world where they play poker against uh, talking octopi and uh, there are zombie priests with... Uh, you know, a zombie henchman uh, trying to take over the waterfront. And the goon is pretty much the protector of this, you know, scummy kind of run-down part of uh, the city. It's uh, it's really neat. He's crossed over with Hellboy, and uh, I think Chinatown is the fifth volume that Paulus put out, but it was a really nice hardcover edition. It was a self-contained story. explained a lot about the goon and his uh, motivations. And uh, if anybody likes comics in general, I'd totally recommend the goon to them. And how about Lost Girls? You weren't afraid of the FBI flagging your email account or anything? <laughs> That's already Actually, been done, Nick, so it's um, not a problem. Yeah, they're already scanning me for other stuff. All those copies of the catcher in the rye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And Lolita by Nabokov, right? Um, actually, Megan Washington, who was on our Umbrella Academy episode, loaned that to me. Uh, it's her copy that I read, and uh, I was just really, I'm a big literary geek, which is why I love things like uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and things like that, and he, Alan Moore brought to bear that same kind of uh, you know, scholarly research and interconnectedness that would be in a book like that to, let's say, more risque subject matter, but uh, the pornography aspect of it really didn't bother me. I was more interested in the story and the literary illusions and things. Okay, lost girls. I gotta find where I can get this. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I don't want to go into too much detail because we're a family podcast, but it's definitely not for the kids. Yes, we are. Okay, drum roll. Never get tired of that. The winner for best trade paperback graphic novel or collection is the Hellboy Library Edition. I have the first, and I think I have, I think the second is maybe on hostage because something else on the order didn't come in yet, but I love the uh, the first edition. I think it's the perfect format for Hellboy. Adam, I see you have it on there, so you're enjoying that as well? I've been waiting for years, for years, and we mentioned this on uh, Watchmen 11, uh, part two, which will come out later. Um, I've been waiting to get Hellboy in hardcover. Just because I knew getting the trades, you know, my luck, it'll come out right afterwards. Absolutely. This, um, I, I, the only thing I would say is I don't like the kind of like the felt slash canvas uh, cover on it. But um, you're right. I mean, Dark Horse does not have absolute editions, but this is going to be a heck of a couple volumes. I would only hope that they do the same with BPRD once all said and done. The whole, the way that 
the cover images uh, on there. It's just it's it's phenomenal. I haven't seen it. Is it similar to how they produced the Star Wars book that I have? No. Oh, okay. No, it's it, a. It's not as it's not near as thick. Um, it's not slip cased, but it's it's kind of this like like Adam was saying what he didn't like, but I kind of do. It's kind of got this felt cover. You know, it's not your standard standard cover. It's this black kind of fuzzy felt type type cover on it. Okay. I think it's about a third as thick. Right. <laughs> All right. This is next category is. Um is one of my favorites because we were going to do best movie and it became apparent after listening to some other shows and looking at everybody's voting that we needed to leave out uh, The Dark Knight and Iron Man because it was pretty much on everybody's top one or two. So our category for the duties will be best movie that isn't Dark Knight or Iron Man. Um, The first one that I want to ask about is uh, Adam has Man on Wire as his number one choice. Well, if you check the Half Hour Oasis forum or the Comic Geek Speak forum, I'm a huge documentary fan. I seem to think that real life is a lot more entertaining, if not more terrifying, than fiction. But Men on Wire Chronicles, uh, and I cannot for the life of me remember the guy's name, it was uh, a French guy, back about 20 or 30 years ago or so, who successfully walked a tightrope across the World Trade uh, Center from Tower 1 to Tower 2. And this documentary follows the planning, preparation, archival footage, and news media coverage of his attempt. And it's really something, I mean, it's, it's a truly breathtaking movie. Now, where, whether this will hold someone else's interest, I don't know. But I think I might want to change my answer now that I'm looking back because the documentary is him telling the story of how he did it more than it is watching footage of it happening or otherwise. But the French dude is an amazing storyteller, which I believe holds weight to this weight to the documentary. But I think Jim has an infinitely more interesting pick, which is a favorite author of mine, Gone to the Life and Strange Times of Hunter S. Thompson, who is no longer with us. Talk to me about this movie, Jim. I have not seen it yet, but it's on my Netflix queue. Well, first off, I got a, a second-year recommendation of Man on Wire. I just didn't think of it when I was thinking my top five. Uh, it's really incredible. Uh, Gonzo is a uh, documentary all about Hunter S. Thompson. It was financed by Johnny Depp and his production company. And it's chock full of interviews, uh, archival footage of Hunter out at the ranch. Uh, it shows the rocket that his ashes were uh, shot into space in, uh, shaped like a fist. Um, it shows uh, footage of you know people going out. He liked to drink a lot and then go shoot off firearms in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there's a lot of uh, really funny footage of that, too. But it also touches upon why he's important as far as being a writer and why he's important in journalism and in you know, literary pursuits in, in, uh, in general, which is you know bringing the reporter into the story, making the person reporting the story actually part of the story, which I think a lot of people miss. Um, the point of how important that is when they're looking, you know, uh, you know, they look at Hunter S. Thompson, all the, uh, you know, they see the drug use and the, and the crazy whacked out lifestyle. But what he did was very important as far as advancing writing. Gonzo journalism, gotta love it. Who's second place, John? Second place is uh, goes to an animated film, which also is on a lot of people's lists. Uh, Wally is our uh, is our runner up, which I did enjoy. Um, it was over the kitties' heads a little bit, 
but it was real pretty to look at, so that got them through. But um, you take your daughter to see it? I did take my daughter to see it, and my little one, she doesn't really last through movies anyway, but she lasted for a shorter period of time than she usually does. And then my wife has to walk around her the mall with her while I sit and watch the movie with my older daughter. My older daughter liked it. No, I thought it was a great movie. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, I was assuming it would be a little bit more for kids. I don't know how you, can you have uh, young ones? Did your kids see it? We actually haven't seen it yet. Uh, we saw a couple other animated films this year. My, my daughter didn't really express any interest in it. She really didn't, we talked about, like, you want to go see it? She's like, no, I don't want to see that. And like, okay, I didn't even buy it yet. Um, some other people agree with you. I, we just found out that that did win the best motion, best animated motion picture for the Golden Globe. So good for Wally. Very what about nice. Kung Fu Panda? Did the kids like that? Oh, that was a great time. Oh, we yeah. love Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda was fantastic. Um, I get it. Before, before we move before on, you announce the winner, uh, really quick, John. I really have to call out Reed on this. Reed, uh, Indiana Jones, right? Indiana was, Jones and the Kingdom just, of the Crystal Skull. Really? Was, Come on, dude. Come on. I was waiting for that, and uh, yeah, I realized <laughs> it got a lot of critical uh, non-acclaim. I guess I don't know what. The first movie I ever remember seeing when I was a kid besides animated films was Indiana Jones. I'm a huge history buff. And, yeah, it's not, hey, I'm not real gonna, history, hey, obviously. I'm with you. I, mean, I have it on my list. I liked it. but Historically, I, how many Jeeps are jumped off cliffs into palm trees that then are ricocheted back onto I like the, the road? I like and to think a lot. Historically, how many people survived atomic blasts by hiding in the refrigerator? And historically, how many CGI monkeys... As Shia LaBeouf actually swung around in the vines with. Hey, don't ask questions you don't want answers to. <laughs> Jim, that but, was awesome because I was just about to call him out on Indiana Jones when you when, when you said that. But I couldn't ahead. let it go. I'm sorry. I'm worried about Ken. Ken's got it higher than Reed does. No, Ken's just got his list backwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least that's a story now. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I, I put really, that out there way before we got to here. I could have changed my mind now, but no. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the whole movie. I even liked the end that really tore people apart. But well, speak, uh, you know, talking about my list, Jim. What's what's putting Speed Racer as as your top choice? I mean, I have it on my list, but it's my bottom choice. <laughs> I mean, it was a good movie, but oh, I mean, there's a lot of movies that were better than that. I have four words for you, my friend. Speed Racer in IMAX. I okay. loved it. All right. I thought it was great. I haven't seen it in IMAX. Sorry. No, I, I thought it was great, too, but I thought there were better it was movies. Visual, it was visual. It was just visual candy mm-hmm. in IMAX. I agree with you. I really enjoyed it. Drum roll. And the winner for best movie that isn't Dark Knight or Iron Man 2008, Tropic Thunder. It was... My number one choice. I laughed like crazy. I thought uh, Robert Downey Jr. was fantastic. Uh, Tom, I Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise is the best part of that movie, absolutely. Tom yeah. Cruise was a tremendous part of that movie. And um, even Ben Stiller, who's been annoying me for 10 years or so, was great, I thought. Did anybody not see it? I have well, not seen it yet. Oh, Jim. I, I know I'm wrong. Yeah. I know. I'm a bad person, I know. <laughs> I... I actually I caught it on on Blu-ray and I actually felt bad for not seeing it in the theater because when it came out I was like eh yeah whatever and I watched it after hearing a bunch of people talk about how funny it was and I just I've seen it four times you know probably since it hit uh, video and I, I could I could easily sit down and watch it again it just every time I watch it there's something else that somebody says that I didn't catch the first, you know the the three times I watched it before that just has me rolling it's just it's it's just too funny. 
Okay, so I get to pass this on now to Mr. Adam Mumack for our next batch of categories. Take it away, oh, Adam. Okay, next category is best DVD or DVD set for 2008. I want to talk about a couple of these first. I want to talk about mine, which is uh, The Wire Season 5. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And this is one HBO show that the ending uh, does not, well, actually the show ends, unlike Deadwood or Carnival. And it doesn't leave you hanging or flat or really perturbed like The Sopranos did. So I had The Wire Season 5 up pretty high. But I want to talk about Reed's pick, which was uh, Spaced. I have never heard of this. What's it about? Uh, Spaced is a show that has uh, is from the creative team and actors of uh, Hot Fuzz and Shaun the Dead. So if you like those movies and, and the people in it, you're probably going to like Spaced. It's just a, a British sitcom. Um, Simon Pegg's character uh, works is a he wants to be a comic book artist, so he's always drawing, and he works in a comic shop. Uh, and it's just a, a funny, quirky or er, show about uh, pop culture stuff. And it, it's just finally came out uh, in the U.S. over the summer. So uh, it's through here. BBC. Yes, or actually, no, I think it's through Channel Four. Okay, so that, that's different, correct? I think so. But uh, Jim, you you've seen it. As, you have it on your list as well, don't you? Yeah, I got it for Christmas actually, and as soon as I watched it, it ended up on my list. Not only does the DVD set have all the uh, episodes, it also has commentary from uh, a lot of celebrities, including Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith, who they uh, who themselves are fans of the show. Uh, plus, there's a documentary all about uh, how Space came to be and what happened between Space and Shaun of the Dead with the, uh, those creators. It's super funny. There's a lot of great geeky references in it, and uh, it's it's cute. It, it is really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I only heard about it before I got it for Christmas, but after I did, I really enjoyed it. Um, the runner-up for this category, uh, Russ, we'll let you talk about this one. It's uh, The New Frontier, Justice League New Frontier from Darwin Cook. Yeah, I mean, that. I bought this, of course, on Blu-ray. New Frontier is, is probably the best uh, graphic novel I've read since Kingdom Come, um, you know, in, the mo- in modern times. It's just, I just get such a happy feeling after, after reading it because it's just such this historical epic, you know, for me that, you know, goes back, you know, kind of a chronicle of the DC universe from World War II on up and, and all these insertions um, without a focus really on Superman or Batman. There's a lot of focus on ancillary characters, mainly Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they really did um, a good job of making a movie out of it. Um, it, it my only criticism is it is short. Um, I think it would have really, really, really benefited from maybe another 10 minutes um, uh, of, of stuff. But the commentary is excellent. Um, Darwin Cook does a commentary all by himself where he talks about um, the things he had to kind of sacrifice and give up to have it in there. That's um, a very, very intimate commentary, too. I mean, very yeah. much with the creative process. I've really felt like I learned something after I had that on the background. Well, and, he, and he's not afraid to you know, tell it like it is, which I always love that with commentary. You don't feel like there's this tiptoe around you know, where he's got to be concerned about what the studio or somebody else is going to say. I mean, when there's stuff that he says, oh, I wish it could have been this, or there's a few things in the movie that he says, oh, I wish I would have thought of that in the book, or, you know, he's, he's pretty candid um, in his commentary, and he's pretty, um, you know, critical of himself, even. Drum roll. The winner for Best DVD or DVD Box Set is Batman the Animated Series Complete Box Set. John, enlighten us. 
Uh, I don't have it. I <laughs> <laughs> what? I I want it. Um, I've seen it. I've opened it and touched all of it, and um, <laughs> it's it's awesome. And it's such a great series that I really think did a lot for comic book animation. Like all the stuff that came after it, kind of well tried to take a nod from it and, and go from there. Um, you know, you see all these series now that kind of follow suit. And uh, hopefully they Blu-ray it. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's the only reason I don't have it in my hot hands right now. Next category is Best Writer. We have uh, a couple here and there um, authors on here. I want to talk about Mark Millar's, which we alluded to during Old Man Logan. Um, John, you have Mark Millar on there, too. He did a few things, uh, Fantastic Four and 1985 as well this year. Yeah, I've really enjoyed 1985, and I have really, really enjoyed Kick-Ass. Um, which I'm allowed to say that because it's the title. And um, I, between Old Man Logan, 1985, and Kick-Ass, he has really won me over for the year. I mean, I just like everything he's doing right now. And, um, you know, I don't even read Fantastic Four, and I've heard that stuff's great as well. So He's had a year for the movies, hasn't he? He had one to come out, and ever since that, he's got about everything option that he's done, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I know I've seen... Um, you know, set shots from Kick Ass already, so that's moving War along. Heroes. I think War Heroes just got optioned. Right. Um, in second place, we have Jeff Johns, and I'm going to throw it over to Reed or to Jim or to Ken or to Russ because we all have, um, you know, besides me, we all have Jeff Johns pretty doggone high. So let me run down in my head here Green Lantern Secret Origin, Justice Society of America, uh, Justice Society of America, The Kingdom Come. We have the Kingdom Come specials. We have Rogue's Revenge. We have Legion of Three Worlds. And I think that's it for Jeff. Oh, Booster Gold. New Krypton, like the action uh, comics. Action. And action comics. How could I forget that? With the Brainiac arc and the New Krypton arc now. Go ahead, guys. I think he's just he's one of the hardest working writers out there. It seems like he's on like every DC book. Uh, and I just... I don't think i've read anything of his that i haven't you know enjoyed it's all his stuff is great i uh his um just uh society of america uh, was the first i've ever read of that and and it's just it's an amazing book for characters i really don't know much about but at the same time the jsa book's been criticized because the whole gog storyline which has just ended really went for i mean the better part of 10 or 11 months well, I can't say much on that. I'm a trade person as well, so I'm a little behind. One thing I did, the reason I put John's up top is is he can take a concept of something that if you just told me just in a vacuum, I would be like, I have no, that seems like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you read it, and it's just it's just spot on. So, you know, for him to take a concept that, you know, on the surface just sounds preposterous, and for him to just, just knock it out of the park, to me, that, that that's good writing. And in fairness to, to Jeff Johns, he he would have won this category if I would have put him on my list at all. I think <laughs> I think I'm the only voter that didn't have him on the list. Um, I just haven't read anything this year that I uh, felt strongly enough about to to put him on the list. I am a huge Jeff Johns uh, Flash fan. He's my favorite Flash writer. We'll get ready. You get ready. Yeah, That's 25 years ago. I'm moving. Well, I'm moving the trades and most of my stuff. I'm keeping Green Lantern. And one thing this year I will be reading in, in floppies is going to be Flash Rebirth. You're not kidding about that. I will be as well. That's going to be wild. At Wizard World Texas, he demands Skyver said, "You will not be disappointed." 
I believe it too. I, yeah. I'll definitely believe that one. Ethan's really been jazzed to get on that book and and get going. I mean, Ethan sacrificed Blackest Night. What's that tell you? Just to, just as a, as a <laughs> side note, last year at the New York Comic Con, I was in one of the panels. It might have been the Final Crisis panel, and someone asked uh, Morrison or Dan DiDio uh, a question about like Crisis. It's been said that crises are never good for uh, Flash. Are we going to be losing another Flash this time around? And he kind of looked around. DiDio said. Um, Actually, I think just the opposite this time. Don't you, wouldn't you agree? And just let it out there, and it went by so fast, and everybody's wondering. And of course, now we know all know what he means by that. You know, with Barry coming back, and I just can't wait for that. And with Johns and Van Skyver being on that book, I immediately became excited about it. I'm excited. I've never read a really, um, I, I guess, modern day Barry Allen story. I'm excited to, with the potential of becoming a fan of him, not just Wally. You know, um, our number one pick, which is our best writer for 2008, is it's Ed Brubaker of Captain America and Daredevil fame. John, you've got that at the number one spot, and Reed, you've got that at number two, and so does Russ. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've said plenty. I'm reading Daredevil is my favorite, one of my favorite books right now. I'm, I'm way into Captain America. and uh... What's happening in Daredevil, John? What's happening in Daredevil is Lady Bullseye. They didn't kill Bullseye and, and bring him back as a woman like Loki, but they um, <laughs> they have a female character who's kind of idolized uh, Bullseye and taken his persona, and she's up to something. I'm not going to spoil, and they haven't really revealed all of it yet, but she's um, taken down a lot of heroes that are um, friends of Daredevil, so it's been really interesting. And I don't even read a lot of the other Brubaker stuff. I know people love Criminal and uh, what else am I forgetting? Definitely Criminal. Immortal Iron Fist he helped write, too. Oh, I am, of course. I am reading Iron Fist, which, which was great. Next category is my, this is my favorite category, and I will uh, go toe-to-toe with anybody on this one. This is Best Artist for 2008. Uh, a couple picks on here. Ken, uh, Ken for those um, listeners that may not know your history, talk to me about Tom Derenek. Tom Derenick is, uh, he's actually a local guy, and I know him just from hanging out in the comic shop, but he, I don't know, maybe, it's got to be almost two years at this point that he was uh, brought on as a, on DC full-time, not just doing freelance stuff, and he, you've seen him, he did uh, one of the books of the World War III arc that was part of uh, 52, he did, uh, he's doing Rain in Hell right now, uh, really working his way up, but he, he did, back when, uh, before Sinestro Corps War came out, Van Sky was working in, and there's a question of whether or not he was going to uh, make his deadline and get his pages done. He ended up, he did, um, but before that, they actually had Tom do some of the pages, some work on it, and he put some of the the, the pencils up on his uh, MySpace page. I'm looking at them, and I'm like, these are just absolutely beautiful, and I think some of them were I like better than this, the way Van Skyver drew those same scenes. Um, one in, in particular jumped out was when the uh, when they broke uh, Superboy Prime out of Oa and all the rings, like they were first being taken out one by one, all the rings were all going off to find new uh, new lanterns. Just the way he drew that, was I just thought it was a lot more dynamic and really, really interesting. More recently, he's a part of the rotating team for the backup stories of... Uh, of Trinity, of Trinity, he does, um, I think, a great job up there. Of course, Mike Norton as well is on there. And he did one of my favorite uh, issues of that was, uh, I think, number seven, where they introduced the cosmic, reintroduced the cosmic egg and Krona, and they gave the backstory, including the Justice, uh, the just 
the JLA Avengers book. And there's actually in silhouette a couple of Avengers in there, and I still am watching Tom's page. I, I want I, I've never really wanted original art. I want that page that has uh, the Avengers on with the uh, the Justice League. Definitely send him an email. Now I'm I'm surprised that our number two pick got up as high as it did, considering the circumstances. Um, our number two pick for 2008 was J.G. Jones, and while I realize that Final Crisis number seven ha- does not come out in 2008. Still, with the fact with uh, Jeff jumping off of the book and Doug Monkey getting on the book, I mean that certainly has an impact, at least in peripheral in the peripheral sense that you know he didn't get the job done. I will say this as far as J.G. Jones' work goes: um, I, when I saw the first appearance of Libra Page, I will <laughs> I, I jumped on it with Tom Fleming at um, Fanfare L.E. the comic. Uh, um, totally flubbing this. As soon as I saw the Libra first appearance page with all of the secret society gathered around it, I definitely jumped on it and snagged that page, um, kind of to go off of what Ken was talking. But I think that all of those Final Crisis covers are pretty iconic. What do you think, Jim? I, I really enjoyed the the, uh, the Final Crisis covers. Uh, they're just so striking. Um, that's why I had him on my list. I just it, I I go for uh, the the quality more than quantity. I tend to like artists that get a bad rep for being late, like J.G. Jones or like John Cassidy, just because uh, I mean the level of craft is so high that I I tend to excuse that. But some people have a lot of problems with it, and I totally understand that too. You know, talking to him at Baltimore when well, some of the fanboys were more or less patting and prodding him about you know where are you at on Final Crisis. His refrain was, I have to get this done because otherwise it's unacceptable. I don't think that was lip service either. I think he was, and if you look at the interviews, you know, the go before, obviously, the announcement that DC made when he had to step off of the book. I mean, he did seem very committed. I don't know why he was at a con when he had a deadline, but, you know, who's to say? But the number one pick, I think, is uh, pretty appropriate. It seems like we're having an almost a sweep here, but the number one pick is Captain America's Steve Epting. And John and Rush, you guys have him up pretty high. Love his style. I mean, it's been consistent since the beginning. Um, you know, he, he hasn't drawn every issue um, since he's been on Captain America, but what he has drawn has just been really solid. It just has that that real, like we've said before, that kind of that spy thriller, um, you know, look to it at that kind of dark um but very clean um it's it's just i like that style it's 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 something different than you see in every other book out there um but not too different to make it you know eclectic or anything like that so it just it, you know and again it's it's just you know typically month after month of of good stuff and i think it really fits brubaker style you know we've been talking about his uh believability factor you know his realism uh, i think epting's perfect for it nothing's overblown nothing's uh out of proportion there's a lot more dark and uh you know i don't want to say grainy but it's just that his style just fits the writing perfectly i think to, th- to think that he can make arnim zola uh viable just as much as faust is too is, is pretty bewildering to me I-, I love it you know just the way he draws the you know it's just solid and every you know everybody looks normal you know it's not a typical superhero book though in the way it's drawn and everybody's you know buff and you know works out 12 hours a day at the gym and that kind of thing and everybody wears tight clothes it's very people look very normal you know very you know average um, 
and and I appreciate that. You know, when you go look at the, you know, if you draw somebody in the background, that's like a you know a checkout clerk at a grocery store. You know, they're not all buff and everything like you see in a, you know in a lot of other books. And again, you know, not to belabor the point, but now you have a story where Bucky is, you know, getting used to the weight of the shield of Captain America and, you know, how strong his mechanical arm is and, and it, it just fits. They're, they're drawn right for the situations that they're put in in that book. We're going to move to best television show or best animated television show. We have a couple of pretty cool picks on here. Ken, why don't you start us off with Clone Wars? I know uh, you and Art saw the movie in one of your Too Old to Grow Up episodes. Have you kept up with it um, on the television small yeah. screen? Yeah, I have. And if I hadn't, that wouldn't have shown up on my list. But you know, it's no, it's no secret I put it out there pretty plainly that I did not like the movie at all. It just didn't feel epic enough, a little too kid-like. And yes, everybody says, well, it's Star Wars. It's supposed to be for kids. It just didn't do it for me, but I gave it a chance on TV, and I loved it from, like, the first frame. It it, it fit better on television, first off. It just has that scale, that sense of, of grandeur that's not there for, for movies, but it fits the television. But moreover than that, there was a, an arc early on, another three-part arc like the movie was, that if that was the movie... I probably would have an entirely different opinion of the movie itself. You know, all the the action you expect from Star Wars, all of the you know, the, the, the not just the starfire scenes, but the the character build up, the the the, um, the interactions of the different characters. It's just it's all there at so many different levels. You know, it's so much more than a kids' cartoon. It, Nine o'clock on Cartoon Network on a Friday night is just a great spot for it, just because it's it's not so tame that it can be on earlier that it needs to be later but it's not so over the top goofy like it needs to be on adult swim it's just it just fits i'm just really really happy with it um and it, it's been a surprise for me how much i'm enjoying uh the series and it's funny to just to kind of chime in a little bit too that the the, the episodes do kind of balance back and forth you know you'll get one where you have a lot of the droid army that are really silly and you know say goofy things and jar jar gets thrown in there and then you'll have a couple or an arc that's pretty serious and pretty, you know, dark by comparison. So, you know, where, you know, they show people getting killed and stabbed with lightsabers and stuff. And it's, 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 to me, it's really good. They're, they had a, a an, an episode, a mini arc where it was, it was Ahsoka and, uh, was it Illum, uh, uh, Illuminari Unduli or, or something like that. Anyway, it was the two of them and they were responsible for, for keeping guard um, over, uh, who was it? They were was it? Is it is it Dooku? They were keeping guard over, or no? It was one of the Trade Federation guys? Oh right, they had the That was an awesome episode. I mean, it just it, that that would have been. I mean, if they would have put something like that in the movie, even it would have been spot on. Because, like I said, there was no goofiness. Um, very, you know, very action packed. A lot of you know, cool Jedi stuff. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's, and there's been several that are like that, like, yeah. just to kind of echo what Ken's saying. And and they, the emphasis that they put on the clones themselves, like you got a little taste in, in episode three that like Commander Cody and Obi Wan that they were they were comrades, they were true friends, and you got a sense of betrayal when you immediately switched switched over to Killer when Order sixty six came out. But no, you see them bonding with their not only their troops, but you see individual personalities in the clones. They they aren't just making them you know guys with helmets. They're developing each individual character um, that you almost care for them. And it makes the eventual Order 66 that much more tragic, I think, to me, when you see the way it all flips um, with just a word. 
We are two weeks away from the debut of Season 5 for our number two pick, which is Lost. I know in the finale of Lost, spoiler alert, we finally got to see um, an actual physical representation of some of the weirdness that's actually been happening on the island. At the end of Season 4, the island physically vanished and disappeared. Um, I think that seemed to be a, a big crescendo in a lot of ways for a show that does a pretty good job of not talking about itself. Reed, you have Lost on there, and so does uh, Ken. Uh, yeah, I'm on season one still, so... <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> While we're attacking Reed, uh, would you like to defend your number one pick right now, Reed? I knew that was coming as well. Uh, I have on my number one pick, I have Heroes. I am still enjoying it. I, I still find it very interesting. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, superheroes on major TV here, you know... If we establish that season two was a disappointment, see, I want to disagree back? with you there too. Okay, I I enjoyed. Here's the thing about here is for me, uh, the first year it was on, it was on at the same time as Twenty Four, I believe. Is here Twenty Four Prison Break? So I did not watch the first season. Uh, that I heard a lot about it. So when the second season started, the day it started, I got on Wikipedia and found out what it was all about and start uh, watching it at season two. And I actually enjoyed all of season two and then went back and watched season one. And I, I really – there's been bits and pieces of three that have kind of been annoying. Uh, some of their fallback things like you know they're going to change time and that's going to fix everything. That gets annoying. But for all in all, I, for the most part, I like the show still. Number one goes to – Battlestar Galactica from the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. Amazing pick, nice. amazing pick. That's one where I watched the original two-hour or the two-part miniseries, and to be honest with you, I wasn't really impressed. I, I don't know why. I just couldn't get into it. It just seemed a little too weird, too dark, too you know, not enough happening. And then a couple of buddies of mine were watching when the season, when the show started, and I hadn't picked it up. And um, they're like, "Oh, you got to watch it. It's the best show on TV." And uh, so I went and got caught up with season one and watched it, and it was just like, to me, it just clicked with me. You know, watching it, you know, week, weekly, you know, episodic television, it just it just really clicked with me, and I've been hooked from, from there on, and, and the first half of season four so far hasn't disappointed. I am so waiting for, for um, next Friday when, when uh, season, the rest of the last ten episodes basically um, begin. It'll be tomorrow. Yeah, yes. tomorrow, as you're hearing this. I uh, I had a similar experience. I saw that the two-hour miniseries or the whatever the miniseries was, that, that four hours, I guess it was, and I had a similar reaction. I, I knew I didn't not like it. I just wasn't sure if I did like it. Um, but when it came out as a regular series, I was hooked from the very first episode, and I, I just uh, I knew I would get something special. And, like, it got points. Points got to the part where it was almost... Like one of those, like uncomfortable to watch, like especially when you brought in um, uh, the Pegasus and some of the stuff that Kane was doing was like I almost didn't want to watch because I knew like it was being so vicious. But I'm like this is just so it, it just was so compelling for me to want to con- continue on. And the way they ended um, the, the the last ten arc of the part one of season four mm-hmm. was just like oh my god! I mean, all this to get to here, you know, I just can't wait to see how they wrap it up. It's amazing how this show. There's like two camps. There's the best show on TV camp and the people who won't even try it 
I, do they think it's like the old one with face from A Team? Like, who are I, these people that won't try it? I don't understand. I think it's. I think it's. I think part of it is, is it being on the Sci-Fi Network and based in space. I think non-Sci-Fi people think it's going to be Star Trek. I don't know if this is something I read or this was actually a tagline to use, but this is the Sci-Fi show for people who don't like Sci-Fi. I mean, right. you really have to watch it. Anybody who's I don't know if anybody who's watched it who didn't like it. Exactly. That's my point exactly. But I have a hard time with non-geek people trying to get them to even give it a try. Hmm. So screw them. Indeed. With that, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to a couple of new categories, and Reed's going to be moderating these. And you have we have a very, I would say, very contentious next category. Go ahead, take it away, Reed. Ooh, I actually have to talk here. That's going to be different for me. <laughs> so uh, our first category we have is uh, best video game. Uh, I want to start out talking about one of yours, Adam. Actually, uh, Castle Crashers. I know you've been a big proponent of that. This is an arcade game with not necessarily next-gen graphics. I know Harold and I have been playing Castle Crashers for a while. It's a standard side-scrolling platform game that a bunch of, like, four little knights have to save the kingdom. And it's hilarious (laughs) with its comic timing. And and I think the animation, I think, is really the big draw. The guys over at uh, Behemoth Studios, uh, who also did Alien Hominid, released this on the Xbox Live Marketplace is where I found it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, that not only got me interested in Castle Crashers as a brand, but I'm definitely going to be taking a look at Behemoth and whatever else they start putting out. Um, they, they got me. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Was this a, a previous like arcade game, or was it nope. made just for it was made just nope. for Xbox? It's, you know what? It's a button masher. It's like the Simpsons arcade game, or the Ninja Turtles arcade game, or the X-Men arcade game. It's just a bunch of cute little knights running around, um, chopping people's heads off. <laughs> I also see uh, over on your list, Ross, the Metal Gear Salt 4. I don't have the PlayStation uh, 3, so I was kind of interested in what you... Uh, looks like you rated it pretty high, so you must think that's a pretty good game. Yeah, it's the graphics are just incredible. Um, it looks really, really good. It's got a great mix of kind of having feeling like you're playing slash watching a movie there's um it goes through some fairly lengthy what you know what you typically consider cutscenes um to advance the story um but it uses the game engine for the cutscenes, which is really cool so it's very smooth um you get a nice transition between when you're playing the game and when you get you know a cutscene as opposed to you know a lot of games where they go into this highly rendered cutscene style and uh you know and you, you take forever to load back and forth um the missions are very long and, and like i said it's 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 just incredibly graphically you know superior to a lot that's out there and it just has a lot of um a lot of nods to the past metal gear games um i just got this one recently you know right around christmas time so i haven't really played it too much um um, but it just it just blew me away putting it in in the PlayStation and 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 letting it go right out. Uh, I've always thought that the Metal Gear one of their besides being so good looking because uh, that always has been a strong sh- suit for uh, that series. They've also always had a a really good storyline to go along with the game. So does that, that sounds like that's the case with this one as well. Oh yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of you know it's a typical very political. Um, you know, intrigue, espionage, you know, a lot of, um, you know, behind-the-scenes manipulations and stuff. So there's, you know, that, that that's all still still present in the game. 
I had uh, read in some reviews of Metal Gear Solid 4 that some of the cutscenes are over an hour long. Uh, that didn't bother you in the context of the game? Um, I haven't gotten to any of those yet. I mean, I think the longest um, set I've had is maybe 15 minutes or so. But it's kind of interesting because they throw in these um, almost like button key sequences where when they talk about something that's happened in, in um, Solid Snake's past, you hit like the X button and it flashes like like little like real quick cuts to like the old video games or the old promo pieces and stuff to give it in the old style. Um, there's a couple um, times when where you get the cutscene, but you're on like a say a, a, an airplane. And it splits the window up into three pieces, and you can kind of see what else is going on in the plane. There's other characters that are kind of roaming around. Um, you have this little robotic sidekick assistant that you can cut over and drive him around, and he can look at, at, at the characters that are talking and stuff. So, so even the long ones, they do enough in there to kind of um, break up the monotony of you just kind of sitting there, you know, watching this cutscene unfold. But, but I haven't gotten to any that are that long yet. And, uh, Jim, uh, I see you have Fallout 3, which I know you're. Uh, a big fan of that game you've talked about since uh, it came out. You still yeah. uh, into that one quite a bit? How many, how many hours do you have in the game, Jim? Up to about 80 now, and I'm about to restart it after as soon as I finish Gears of War 2. Uh, I, I talked about this on our review show. It, it's, it's just this incredible open world after the apocalypse environment, and there's so many great storylines and characters to meet and things to explore, and I love that kind of game. I, I love games where you're uh, exploring virtual spaces, so I'm a big fan of Bethesda, the studio that made it, and uh, it's it's right up there with Oblivion as far as quality-wise. For our runner-up for this category, which I'm kind of shocked that this isn't uh, our winner, but Gears of yep. War 2. Yeah, big upset. Yep. I mean, as, knowing as much as uh, everyone on this podcast plays the game, uh, I was I was kind of shocked at that. Um, uh, if I voted correctly, it probably would have won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I noticed, Russ, that you have that as your number one, and that's coming from someone who doesn't even have the system. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even have a 360, and I put it as number one. Um, my kid ha- got it for Christmas, and uh, while we were there, I, I kind of played it. We played a little co-op. So I did get to play it a bit. I'm, I did play the first Gears of War, um, not all the way through. But yeah, it just it just blows me away. The, just graphically, it's just it's so so good, and just the whole the, the action, um, the environments, the sound, the weapons. It, it it's it's just a phenomenal game. I mean, it's just it's 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 incredible. Everything yeah. that they could have improved on from the first one, they did. I hate. I hate games where they just throw you into like a driving sequence because I love driving cars around in GTA. Don't get me wrong, but like th- with the raft, with uh, the, the tank, with the the snow sequence in GTA, I had zero to no problem navigating or anything like that. It, it felt a part of the game, not just like it's a add-on. And for the winner. Grand Theft Auto 4. What does uh, anyone have to say about this? I see, obviously, quite a few people have it on the list. Uh, I played it. Uh, I actually went out and picked it up the night it came out at uh, midnight. And unfortunately, the line was so long, I didn't get home till about uh, 2, even though I pre-ordered it. And uh, so I didn't get to play it till the next day. But uh, I actually, I've been playing it since then. Haven't beat it yet. Uh, but uh, it just... It's a fun game. There's so much to do in it. And uh, with the added multiplayer, which none other in the series have had before, um, 
just adds a whole new element to it. That's what I'd like to hear about. What, what's the what's the multiplayer of that game? Like, is it kind of like a Saints Row thing? Like gangs just shooting at each other, or it's just free for all? It's just madness. I don't I don't agree with this being our first pick. I mean, I had the most fun most fun playing Gears, and like the whole GTA experience to me hinged on Nico Bellic. And you know, for for the entire game, you get. Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't kill people. That's not good. And then the whole thing is this crazy, twisted revenge scheme where, you know, it's it's like the American dream tainted. And it's such a weirdo character. And I love I, – let's not, let's not get confused here. I love blowing stuff up in that game. I love helicopter chases and lighting cars on fire and starting riots. No, but, I, I, I have it on my list, but uh, I like Saints Row – and now Saints Row 2 a lot better than, than GTA. It still has an open world. It's a little goofy on the periphery, but the 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 storytelling part of it, I think, is just a lot more rewarding for me. And and they got some great uh, voice uh, work out of Saints Row this year as well, but that definitely made it to my list. If you, if you like the open world kind of stuff, check out Saints Row if you haven't already. Now, John, like as far as I, I know Adam said, it's, it's a, a team deathmatch type. Multiplayer, there's actually, there really is a lot more to the multiplayer than just that. Um, you can, that is definitely a part you can do, but you can also uh, co-op missions that are not in the game. Uh, and, oh, that's cool. And you can also uh, do d- different types of, like, uh, you can play, like, I think it's called Cops and Robbers, where one group is is the cops chasing uh, the other guys who are the robbers in a vehicle, uh, there's a variety of different races. Uh, Ken and I, one weekend, this was a couple months back, we're playing, uh, doing helicopter races around the city. That's just fun, uh, helicopter races. Yeah. Uh, the Cannonball Run is a race across the whole map. Uh, there's there's a lot of different stuff. They didn't just stick in, you know, a team death match. So I think that was a, a good thing for the series. Um, I didn't. When they said they were going to have multiplayer, I was like, how in the world are they going to do that with that game? And, and they definitely pulled it off. Okay, for our uh, next category, we have Hero of the Year. First off, I, well, we already talked a little bit about it, but um, Adam, you have The Flash. Yeah, I had, the, I had Barry Allen ranked, but I, 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 I seem to think that this category should represent, start to finish... Like, I don't think it was Barry's year. I think next year will be Barry's year. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited for him and for Rebirth and what we will make sense of Final Crisis two months' time from now. But I don't think it was Barry's year just yet. But I, I, I wanted to have him place. Oh, he was definitely important at the, right at the end there. When he sh- finally did show up, it was like, oh, you just I got to rush just seeing him in there. He's one of those characters yeah. ever since uh, Crisis. Um, whenever he shows up, it's something exciting. Uh, so I, I always like that. Like in, in Infinite Crisis, when uh, he shows up to help uh, Bart. Grandpa? I love that part. That, that brought me to tears. <laughs> but, uh, Jim, I see that you have uh, Martian Manhunter on your list. That's right, Martian Manhunter. Uh so I've been a big fan of Martian Manhunter all my comic reading life, actually. I was a big fan of the John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake, uh, mini, or not many, but ongoing series uh, where they tried to reinvent John Johns. 
I really enjoyed his portrayal in New Frontier and on the JLU cartoon. And although I, I kind of wanted to mention him here just because of his uh, semi-cheap death uh, at the beginning of Final Crisis, I'm kind of I kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, and I wanted to you know to remember him as the hero of the year because I mean he's been around since the '60s, and they killed him off pretty much to kick off Final Crisis. Requiem was a great issue, though that no doubt. With Batman with the Oreos, yeah, that was that, that was, was a great yes, moment. That was beautiful, yes. But uh, I loved I loved him in the JLI, you know, and uh, it's just been a character I've always appreciated and liked, and there have been a lot of really good different takes on him over the years, and I was just so sad to see him killed off that I, I wanted him to be recognized as the hero of the year. Do you think he's going to be uh, brought back pretty quickly, or do you think we're going to have to wait a while? Well, like everybody else in the comics, I'm sure he'll be back eventually. I think I think if they're going to do it, they're going to do it in Final Crisis 7 somehow. I'm not sure he's dead, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I just... With him dying, I haven't read any Final Crisis yet, but uh, it just seems to me that, like, although a known character, he's definitely not in your top tier, so I just don't... He doesn't seem like they'd make a big deal out of bringing him back as much as they would, like, someone like Batman or Superman or something like that. Okay, for our uh, runner-up, we have uh, Green Lantern. Uh, I see, Adam, you have him pretty high on your list. He He's up there, but my number one pick was Superman. I think if you take the Brainiac arc, and I think that if you take Final Crisis, and I think if you add that with All-Star Superman, this was definitely Superman's year. This was definitely... Kal-El's year. I think it was nice to see how with Secret Origin. And I mean, and this is this is your biggest Green Lantern fan here. I'm try, I'm trying to ride the fence here and play it straight, but it was a lot of looking backwards for Hal Jordan until we get we got to the Red Lanterns and Final Crisis. Yeah, and Green Lantern but, was definitely good, but it was all set up um and, and it's appropriate this was, was Superman's year. I mean, 70th hmm? 70th anniversary is is huge. I mean, there's 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 nobody else, nobody who can top that. I think if we look at next year, it's definitely going to be Hal's year, though. But I don't think it was this year. It was Iron Man's year until about the last week of December. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for the winner, drumroll, please. Batman. Yeah, no I think surprise we, there. Yeah, I think we all had him on our list. Now, is this yeah. because of R.E.P. or The Dark Knight? Oh, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Detective Comics 2. Detective Comics 2 with Paul Dini. That's true. And, and, and don't forget the new Brave and the Bold cartoon. That's just, that's fantastic. That is that a cartoon. good cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying uh, the hell out of that. Well, and it, even if people weren't happy with the end of uh, R.I.P., it sold a lot of comics. It was pretty popular while it was coming out. Yeah, um, I enjoyed um, I enjoy all of Morrison's Batman. I just didn't like that the ending was all that really bothered me. But I thought it was a, I thought it's been a good run. And I and I think that if we were to have known that Last Rights, the two that came after R.I.P. were a little more close together than we thought they were with Final Crisis, I think that that would have definitely waylaid a lot of that frustration with that last R.I.P. Uh, issue. 
That's where I'm sitting. I just, uh, RIP should have been called WTF for me. I'm just, I guess, last right. So clear things up. Well, Final Crisis 6 and 7, really. I hope something does, because so far I've... I had to have the freaky tiki talk me down twice now on this Batman R.I.P. <laughs> thing. So. <laughs> yeah, so definitely the the movie, I mean, a superhero movie being one of the highest grossing films, well, the second high, highest grossing films of all time right now, and it's going to be re-released here at the end of the month, so could possibly uh, become the highest grossing film. That's, that speaks a lot uh, for the comics industry. If they could get those people to cross over into reading comics, that'd be amazing. Yeah, they they should have handed out like a copy of the Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One or the Killing Joke to to every screening of you know of the Dark Knight or something or had some available. They should have done something to promote the books because you know it's getting a little off topic. But I think I think if if Marvel and DC would do more to capitalize on the sheer volume of people going to the theater to see these movies, they might be able to get a, a you know a bit of return on that investment. But they could hand out Legion of Dudes uh, business cards. It's yeah. been known to happen at the theaters around my place. <laughs> <laughs> Those are special kind of theater. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Did you see Pee Wee Herman? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, now moving on, we have uh, the villain of the year category. First uh, one I noticed is on Jim's list, uh, All-Star Superman Lex Luthor. Uh, What did you like about that character, Jim, of Lex Luthor? I thought it really brought Luthor back to to what he is supposed to be. Morrison, I thought, had a really good grasp and a really good take on the character about um, you know the the xenophobia of Lex Luthor, the the smug uh, self confidence in his intellect, uh, eventually overcoming Superman, and his you know just out and out hatred for this man who's pretty much taken the spot that he sees that he should have in society of being mankind's savior and hero. Uh, I just thought Morrison had had a really good take on on uh, Lex Luthor, and it just it really made that book uh, uh, even that that much better for me. 2007's The Gospel According to Lex Luthor was the best Lex Luthor story I've ever read. Period. Have you read the uh, the Azzarello uh, Bergamo uh, Lex Luthor Man of Steel mini? Uh, that, yes, and that's included in that as well. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> okay, I'll have to check it out then. Now, uh, Jim, you're following up your Lex Luthor with uh, Sarah Palin. Tell me a little bit what how you feel about Sarah Palin. <laughs> uh, do I really have to? This is a family podcast after all. Oh, okay. Now we're going to alienate, we're gonna alienate <laughs> half the listeners now. Uh, as editor you know, I, as editor in chief of the show, I would like to uh pass the this views, segment along. The, the the views offered by certain members of Legion of Dudes are not meant to be taken as the views of the entire body of Legion of Dudes. Thank you. Hey Russ, I wanted to ask you about your pick for Libra because are you, you're not the biggest, well, let's just say Morrison cheerleader. Correct. And I'm I'm wondering why you have Libra on there. Um, I guess I just looked at it from the villain standpoint, you know, it taking, you know, just really taking the right, well, I mean, it's hard to take the writer out of it, but just from a pure, you know, like the category said, pure villain standpoint, and, you know, whether or not overall I, I'm enjoying or not enjoying Final Crisis, um, he he has been a pretty interesting villain um, to come on the scene, and, you know, 
from from a, from the the standpoint of pure villainy, um, he, he definitely fits the bill. You know, just that whole. I, I I think I think his character particularly has been well written by Morrison. Um, I like the way he's writing that character, um, right. and I like how devious he's being. Um, you know, especially in the in that in the in the first couple issues. You know, where he he tries to bring Luthor to the table, um, and the way he does it, um, and his interactions with like the some of the other characters, I think has been has been pretty good. Ken, I also uh, see on yours, uh, Darth Cadius. Am I saying that right? Darth Darth Kytus. Kytus. I'm not really. I don't know a lot about the Star Wars universe outside of the movies. Um, but I know you've been getting into Legacy series. You've been mentioning a couple times recently. Well, Le- Le- Legacy, the the comic series, is, is very good. This is actually from Legacy of the Force, which is a nine-part uh, series of novels. And actually, well, Darth, Darth Kytus actually gets a mention in uh, Legacy in one of the issues uh, early on. I think it's in Volume 3, I want to say it is. Uh, maybe 4. But anyway, it's, uh, it's just really... He... I can't say too much without saying who he is. But he's a, he's a character who has only ever existed in the books in the expanded universe, and he the way he just brings the universe to the brink of war is just so clever. Kind of like like Lex Luthor, he he really believes he's doing the best thing for humanity because of this alien. You know, Darth Kytus really believes he's doing what he needs to do to save the universe. Doesn't see what he's doing as being you know wrong or immoral, but he just keeps going further and further down. And it's just as a great book series, Legacy of the Force. In April, they're kicking off another nine-book series, which is dealing with um, the after-effects of this other series. And uh, I, I, I found it. I found I got an, uh, the audiobook for book one and listened to it. it. wasn't until like a year later when I heard uh, Brad talking about on Half Hour Wasted how much he enjoyed it that I, I sought out the rest and just completely sucked them up and loved every second of it. Now, is it safe to say with a name like Darth, is he a Sith Lord? Oh, yes, he is. He okay, is a Dark so. Lord of the Sith. So... Okay, good stuff. Well, for our uh, runner-up, we have um, Sinestro. Uh, Adam, I was a little surprised not to see uh, Sinestro on your list. He, he, You know why Sinestro didn't make my list? And this is my favorite villain, for those of you who might be new listening to this. Sinestro's not on my list because Sinestro's been a good guy for all of 2008. If you look at the books that were published that had him in it, it was all Secret Origin had Sinestro in it. And Sinestro was Hal's mentor for 2008. That's right. He was still a Green Lantern at that point, sure. He was a Green Lantern. And we only saw, what, the last month after uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns and Green Lantern number 36? Sinestro's only been good for one month, or has only been evil for one month out of 2008. But again, he uh, really believes he's doing the right thing for the universe. But... Not enough to get him on my list, Ken. <laughs> number one, the number one is the one is winner takes all on this one. We almost had a clean sweep for number one. Yep. So I guess we'll go ahead and announce our number one. Drum roll, please. The Joker. Shocker. Yep. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw, but um, the Golden Globes agreed with us on uh, this one. Tonight as well, he uh, Heath Ledger won for the Joker on yeah. the Golden Globes, and they they played a clip of from the movie, and it was actually the same clip that really sold me on him on Heath Ledger deserving that award during the inter- interrogation scene. You know, right when 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 Batman asked him like, "Why did you want to kill me?" And he just gets he gets giddy and excited, he's like, "I, I don't want to kill you," and just going on. It's just it's like 
It's just so good. It's definitely the Joker I've always wanted to see. Is he going to win the Oscar? Uh, I think so. It is a good sign that he will, but I, I really believe he will. And not just because of the, uh, for lack of a better word, the sympathy vote. I really believe that he deserves it. I, he won the Critics' many, Choice last week also. So It's hard to think of how many true performances I've seen. I mean, I've seen Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote. I've seen, you know, Al Pacino as Marco Corleone. But, <laughs> man, oh, man. I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that this was a performance, Absolutely. not just not just reading words off of a page, as I think many TV and many movies are apt to fall into that category. And not to not to downplay uh, the movie or Heath Ledger's performance, but the Joker also had a pretty good year in the books. I mean, you had the the Azzarello uh, graphic novel, and he was had a great, and he had a great role in R.I.P. So it really was the Joker's year. And the Killing Joke hardcover with the uh, the remastered and the redigitized yep. color, and the miniseries Joker's Asylum. Joker, Joker had kind of been out of the Batman uh, comic books, out of the the main storyline for a while, and and it really was this year along uh, kind of alongside the movie where he really he really made his reappearance. You know, going back real quick to a story about New York Comic Con, same panel or maybe a different one, but the Dio's asked about the Joker miniseries coming out, and he just starts out with. Well, you might have heard we have a movie coming out this summer. And just goes on from there, gets a big laugh, because it was, of course, obviously time to be out with the, uh, with the release of the movie. Okay, now for the next few, we're going to change it up and have uh, just some rapid-fire uh, quick uh, categories. I'm going to hand it off to Jim for this. We have some more unconventional categories now for some of our duties that we're going to be passing out. We've already gone through all the ones that you've heard everywhere else, best comic, best villain, best hero. Here's some categories that I don't think we're going to be seeing any, on any other podcast. The first category we're going to be running through is called Make It Stop, and it's basically just something we want to stop immediately. And uh, my choice for this is what I call eventitis, which is the tendency for DC and Marvel to go from event to event to event uh, most heavily, uh, probably the biggest example I could show would be Secret Invasion uh, going into Dark Reign. Yeah, I went with the Watchmen lawsuit. Just cut it out. I went with Heroes. Uh, Did you all realize that Matt Parkman was supposed to be illiterate as of the first two seasons? And magically, uh, with telepathy, he's able to read now. Make (laughs) Heroes stop, cancel it. (laughs) I agreed with uh, Jim with events. I went with whiny Trekkies. If I hear one more person say that they didn't like that trailer or the ship look doesn't look right, I'm going to smack them. I went with Grant Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> Send your hate mail to Russell at legionofdudes.com. Or your praises. Looks like we have a winner, Jim. I think it would be eventitis. Yeah, I, I know uh, my weary pocketbook is, is not looking forward to the event after event after event. Our next category is a future Black Lantern. It's basically a character we want killed off immediately. Uh, my choice was Norman Osborn because I thought he was dead already, but no, he's not. He's now the head of Shield or whatever. So, Norman Osborn for me. I got uh, Damien, Batman's son. Unnecessary. Well, we're going for the uh, infanticide because I have Rick's son from Walking Dead. <laughs> I just need to rip the bandit off and let loose. Uh, I've got Jason Todd. I went with uh, another theme. I want whiny fanboys in general. One more person who doesn't like the way their comic went or their movie went or whatever. Just just kill them now. Make them a Black Lantern. That's fine with me. Just to let you know you're going to kill me. There's no squid in the Watchmen movie. Goodbye, Ken. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that when we get to number 12. I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> 
my pick is Mirror John, Damien. Yeah, just, just, no. So I guess our choice is the uh, son of Batman that Morrison brought in the Batman R.I.P. series, Damien. Uh, for our next one is the I Want My Money Back. This is a comic or trade that we bought and we felt cheated on. I had to go with the the, uh, the first countdown trade on this. I uh, Against all odds, I went ahead and bought it anyway, and I got what I paid for. <laughs> I went with a movie here. I went with uh, Punisher Warzone. It, it, you know what? It, it wasn't even the worst movie of the year, but what they threw away, what could have been so good that they just squandered it, it was annoying. I want my money back. I put uh, Salvation Run. Uh, you have every villain in the DC roster together, and this is what you come up with? Please. Uh, I went with Want It because I think I was the only uh, person who saw it who didn't like it. I just thought it was crap. I actually cheesed out and didn't put anything in on this one only because I, I can't could not think of anything that I bought or did that I absolutely didn't like. If there was anything, you know, maybe I bought the first issue and then stopped reading it. Um, like like the only thing that comes to mind like that is is uh, Secret Invasion Frontline. I, I first issue and I was done with it. I, could, I couldn't couldn't even stand the concept. So I guess that's my vote. My my pick was Secret Invasion, and it's funny because. If if you did this off of issues one through seven, um, it totally wouldn't be the case. But after issue eight, I'm I'm gonna be guilty of uh, Ken's uh, future Black Lantern of a whiny fanboy and uh, and put Secret Invasion down. I think Countdown wins. I really do. Yeah, by dint of Salvation Run and Countdown both being voted for. Yeah, our next category is our favorite half hour wasted personality. We're throwing this out to our sister podcast, <laughs> Half Hour Wasted. I uh, my vote for this one would be it would be like having to choose my favorite child. So I went with Jim Bob Kim. I just like him. I would have to say uh the man in the woods. Uh I was gonna say something else, but um I'm gonna go with uh Lisa Loeb because every time uh Frank talks about her, he brought so much passion into it. I, I feel like she's a part of the crew. I selected he who should not be named. I'm taking a pass. <laughs> I think the winner is Heather. <laughs> there you go. We'll just roll with that one then. Or I guess Lisa Loeb is the ultimate winner, really. Uh, I'm going to throw, throw this over to Ken for some more of our uh, unconventional categories. Ken? Well, uh, we got a couple more here, and I'm going to start it out with Please Retcon. And, and I just picked uh, some low-hanging fruit. I just picked Rob Liefeld just because, you know, yeah, he, he can't draw feet. <laughs> I abstained. I came up with a blank, so just move along. Freddie Freeman is not, repeat, is not Captain Marvel. Why not? Out. <laughs> because he's not. Because Captain Marvel has not yet been realized in comics to begin with. Fully realized, let alone his little, you know, gimp of a buddy. I went with Thriller just because I wanted to shout out one of my favorite miniseries from the 80s that nobody knows about. Oh, dude, I, I thought you meant the Michael Jackson album. <laughs> That's what I thought <laughs> as well. That's what I figured. Now it's a, uh, pretty much a, the uh, precursor to Vertigo from DC Comics. My pick is Thriller, the Michael Jackson album, then. <laughs> cool. Fair enough. I'm always on the Prince side of the Prince-Michael Jackson conflict anyway. <laughs> my, my pick is the Cat Beast from the X-Men. Go back to to old old school beast. I have to agree with you on that one. I thought that was a He Man villain. <laughs> cat, cat beast. Well, it sounds like between uh, Reed's last minute vote and Russ, we've got a winner of Cat Beast needs to be reckoned. 
We agree. Sounds good. All right. Now we're going to go with the most controversial topic we're going to have for right now. What the f***? <laughs> and I'm going with, with R.I.P. We said it before. What the f*** happened at R.I.P.? <laughs> I'm going with uh, Batman R.I.P. What the f***? I'm going to go with uh, the ending to World War Hulk. Sentry has the power and intensity of a thousand suns. Uh, but guess what? He's a terrible character. <laughs> uh, I'm with Batman R.I.P. What the f***? I went with Batman WTF myself. <laughs> now he refrains from cursing. <laughs> hey, I do it every other week, so what the heck? There you go. I went with the, uh, no surprise here for me, Secret Invasion. Just that whole ending. I just, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> All right, so consensus is Batman R.I.P. What, what the f***? All right, so now we're going to go all Orange Lantern off now. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give what can't you wait for? And me, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Flash, Rebirth, Jeff Johns, Van Skyver together again. You know, I went with Ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine <laughs> <laughs> because I just need it. I need it. I, I don't care. You need, you need the closure, isn't it? Yeah. and, and like, You need it to be completed. <laughs> in, intellectual comics are wonderful, and you guys can have Marson, and I understand the importance of them, and... And, you know, expanding the medium and making it better. But I need a comic book. And and Hulk tearing Wolverine in half in the, in the last issue that came out, what, five years ago? I really need to see how that finishes up. Well, can I change my, my vote to Wildcats number two then? Sure. <laughs> and I want to change mine to the 1963 annual. I'm going to vote for James Robinson's much-talked-about Justice League. I'm ready for Batwoman, Ray Palmer, Kong Gorilla, and Starman on one team. Bring it. I'm uh, looking forward to Flash Rebirth uh, for the same reasons Ken mentioned. I was going to pick Robinson's Justice League, but I decided to go with the new uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Century 1910. I think Alan Moore should buy you lunch one day. (laughs) Yeah. Because he so owes you for everything. (laughs) (laughs) I went with the Watchmen movie. I, you know, every time I see something on it, I just go, I want to go to the theater like in five minutes and just go watch it. It just, it, the more I see, the more I like. I posted this the other day, but like, do you realize how ridiculous this entire last four months for us will be if the movie stinks? (laughs) 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 Like, I can't, I don't even know what we would say. Like, I I, I know what I would say. I would say uh, I have some Libsyn space for somebody to buy. (laughs) (laughs) We're just living in denial for six months until everybody forgets that we did Watchmen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So by uh, our choice, we're going to say we're all excited for Flash Rebirth. Okay, two of us are. But we're going to call that our winner. Moving on, my last category for this round, I Dream of Genie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Um, my answer's pretty similar. I went with Marissa Tomei with tattoos on her back. Nice. <laughs> if you've seen The Wrestler, you know what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly. It's Isn't burned in like my retina beat? forever. Isn't she all looking beat in that movie and everything? Or She looks kind of skanky. <laughs> I'm okay with that, though. <laughs> no problem here. <laughs> I didn't mean to say like it was a bad thing. Adam? I dream of having a Universe X hardcover at some point because my Earth X hardcover is really lonely on my shelf. 
I went with uh, 99 cents comics because uh, that's probably going to be the only way I'm going to buy uh, monthly issues again. But it looks like it's going the other way, so I'm out of luck. Well, yeah, they're 99 cents more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can get about four pages for 99 cents. <laughs> Just read the backups in Trinity. You can get the cardboard stock cover. <laughs> you get all the the entire run of Strike Force Moratori. It's a little new universe joke for everybody. I went with uh, Monica Bellucci wearing only an apron. Kind of went the Johnny M route. So is that a chef thing? Uh, no comment. <laughs> I'm not a chef, and I'd like it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I went with a Faith TV series. Forget Buffy. Give me more Faith. That'd be cool to see. Oh, I thought you meant like the I'm religious not, channel, like that nun with the eye patch. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, no consensus there. We're all winners, and I'm going to pass it on now to Russ, who will uh, bring us our next round. All right, for our first category, we have mad props. So who all did we give mad props to? I gave my mad props to Dark Horse Comics. Um, I think they're really, really putting out solid stuff. The whole Buffy thing is you know, consistently in the top ten. Um, the, the whole vector thing for Star Wars I thought was a great concept, and hopefully it gets more readers to the book. Um, it's the first time I think they've ever really done a Star Wars event in the comics, um, and I think a lot of people were curious as to how they were going to pull that off, and I think they did a stellar job. So my mad props are to Dark Horse. I went with um, Salvador La Roca. Um, I just got into the Fraction Invincible Iron Man book, and uh, the artwork is outstanding. I, I didn't know too much about him or seen too much of anything that he'd done before that, but it's outstanding. I'm going to give the props to Rick Remender, Gigantic, plus Fear Agent, plus the End League is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going with uh, John Farvra because uh, he, uh, he, he brought Marvel Comics movies to a whole new level. And, uh, man, when, when this movie season started, I thought that The Dark Knight would be it, but Iron Man is really close. I gotta go with Johnny M because every week he uh, makes sense of this mess that we call Legion of Dudes with his <laughs> mad editing skills. So mad props, buddy. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm actually going to go similar. My uh, I'm going with the entire uh, panelist, the kind of the entire panel of the Legion of Dudes: Johnny M, Adam Umack, Adam Reed, Jim Dietz, Russ Latham, and. Hey, Ashlyn. Uh, it's just been a pleasure being on this cast with you guys. I, I've just got read stuff I probably wouldn't have touched, and I've certainly gotten a lot more out of The Watchmen than I ever would have had I tried to read it on my own. So just thank you. It's been a great ride, and it's just a pleasure to be here with you guys. Likewise, my friend. Thank yeah, thanks, man. So, yeah. wait, John wins that category by point one yes. vote? That's right. I guess, point one. I guess it is. <laughs> it's like so my freaking swear. Change your vote and vote for me quick, someone. Hurry. <laughs> uh, congratulations, John. No, absolutely. Thanks for editing this every week. And whenever we'll, you go we'll, to Disney with your family, um, we probably won't release an episode that week. So. <laughs> hey, hey, John. January 15th. Yes. Yeah, we'll all send you a duty. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Actually, the prize is that we won't all send you a duty. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Okay, next category. <clears throat> Best movie everyone else hated. Mine was Jumper. I know everybody ranks on Hayden Christensen, but um, I thought it was—I thought it was really good. I think, thought it was a unique concept. Um, I thought it was pretty well well directed. Doug Wyman, the guy that did uh, 
the born the born identity. Um, David Goyer wrote, had a hand in writing the script. Of course, everything he touches lately has been gold. Um, so I, I just I thought it was really cool. You know, you can't go wrong with Samuel L. Jackson. I like Jumper as well. Um, my pick is Death Race, though, because it was fun and it had Jason Statham and um, hot women from jail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a pick. I don't really watch crappy movies. I'm definitely um, part of that whole mob mentality with whatever's good is good, whatever's bad I, I know right as soon as I see the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I went with uh, Speed Racer. Um, I wait to see it on – I actually watched it – Standard Def DVD, which uh, and it still looked great, and uh, it just was a really fun movie. Um, that's about it for that. My choice was Speed Racer too, and I saw it in IMAX uh, when it was out, and it was just beautiful visual candy, and I, it was very true to the cartoon and uh, a lot of fun. Cool. I, um, Russ, I like Jumper Jumper as well. It wasn't what I expected going into it, but I did enjoy it. Uh, Reed, you're not the only one who didn't like Moana. I heard a lot of people who were didn't like it at all, but I actually did like one. That's my pick for this. Um, I, I didn't go into it looking for a faithful page-by-page translation. I looked for a good action movie, and I was I was certainly satisfied when I saw it. So one is my pick. All right. So I Speed think, Racer I takes it. Speed Racer was the winner there. Um, next category is Best Convention of 2008. Um, mine was Super Show. Um, it was really close between Wizard World Texas and Super Show, um, from from a, from a standpoint of the show, um, I the the great thing about Wizard World Texas was just meeting up with you know all the folks from the community you know um, Brad and Frank and June Bob and um, and some of the other guys uh, you know meeting Bill McDonald the voice that was that was a thrill but nothing nothing could could surpass I mean Super Show was just a great experience from the the, the talent and the artists and um, hanging out after hours and just the car ride, you know, um, to, to, to and from the airport. So um, I just had a, a heck of a time at Super Show. It was just something else. Plus, we all got to meet each other at Super Show. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I went with New York Comic Con because it's the only one I've ever been to. I went with Super Show as well. Uh, I didn't make it to a con in 08. Suck, Reed. <laughs> Sorry. Even though, I, even though I didn't go there, I didn't make it this year. I voted for Super Show as well. Super Show was great and all, um, but for my best con, uh, just because it was my first major con, uh, the New York Comic Con, uh, just to be able to be immersed in in comics in to that level for you know three days was just unprecedented for me. It was certainly a great experience, as good as Super Show was, and it was fantastic meeting everybody who I've already talked to for for a, quite a long time on the boards. Um, there was just something about New York Comic Con that probably because you know it it was my first. <laughs> Hey, uh, we have a write-in vote um, from a listener. Just Bill voted for Baltimore. Jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> Moving on. Well, the clear, the clear winner there is Super Show for, for Best Convention. Well-deserved. My last category for the evening will be Best Rumor. Um, and my best rumor was... Uh, the rumor that Batman was going to be actually become a new god as a part of the fifth uh, the fifth world, um, and as we're seeing, I don't think that's going to come to pass. Yeah, I was along the same lines. I went with Batman will die as best rumor. Philip Tan has done Final Crisis Revelations. He's going to be doing the Orange Lantern arc, Agent Orange arc, pretty soon. His next project for DC, I don't know what it is, but it's supposed to be huge. I went uh, with Iron Man as a scroll for uh, Secret Invasion. 
I went with the uh, rumored Death Clock action figures. As you guys well know, Metalocalypse is one of my favorite cartoons. And there were rumors spreading around that there were going to be a set of Death Clock action figures available soon. My best rumor is the Watchmen movie. It's not out yet. It's not out until it's out. So as far as I'm concerned, it's still just a rumor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. um, We're going to go with super speedy lightning round so we can wrap this one up. Um, got just a couple more. Uh, Save Your Mylar, worst comic. Uh, I went with Vigilante, number one. I picked it up. I happened to stop by an LCS, and I don't know what I was thinking. I have any stupid DC Comics concept book. Question, why are Batman and Superman fighting vampires and werewolves? Answer, I don't know. I went with uh, All-Star Batman and Robin because that's not Batman. I went with I went with the uh, death of Martian Manhunter just because I thought it was kind of cheap uh, uh, way to take out a character that's been around for forty years. I went with uh, I said before Secret Invasion Frontline that was just you know the, just the worst thing I read this year. And mine was Young X Men, just awful. <laughs> and for our last uh, category for the two thousand eight duties, we have old fashioned ultra violence best ultra violent moment in comics. I would have to say with. It would be from Rogue's Revenge when Weather Wizard's son got blown up. And it's a baby, too, so that was awesome. <laughs> I went with uh, The Punisher and Punisher Warzone because uh, the first 15 minutes of that movie are just insane. I went with uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker and his, his magic trick that he does with a pencil. I went with the, the whole end, near the end sequence of, uh, of Wanted, Wesley's assault on the, on the League's headquarters. Uh, everything from the exploding rats right up to the uh, the last scene where uh, where Angelina Jolie kind of kind of gets it and takes matters in her own hands. I just I just loved every second of it. Mine was X Force going postal. Um, it's kind of a, a, a unique concept in the X Force. You know, Wolverine leading a team of of uh, of uh, like a hit squad, basically going after um, people in a deadly manner. So I, I just thought that was a, a pretty. Uh, pretty just a good old-fashioned just nothing but violence all right folks i guess that wraps up the first annual duty awards <laughs> great job by all hope the duty Gen- leave- gentlemen we have done our duty. Yeah, <laughs> I, hope yeah, duty I hope this didn't leave a bad taste in your mouth that was a lot of duty <laughs> oh. adam bring it home man <laughs> well hey thanks everybody for listening to the Legion of Dudes podcast. Be sure to check us out every Thursday and Brad, Frank, and Bill's podcast, A Half Hour Wasted, on Mondays. You can check us out and Half Hour Wasted at thelegionofdudes.com or halfhourwasted.com. That said, also be sure to check us on our forum space at thecomicforums.com. Come in, leave a voicemail, anything's whatever is clever. Please come on over. Thanks for supporting us on our iTunes feed and leaving positive reviews. Please send all your comments to comments at legionofdudes.com. With that, we will see you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye. Take care. Take care, guys. Good night. Good night.